statement of Shakespeare's statement in Hamlet when he didn't say that clothing makes the man. That's not how Shakespeare said it. He said, for the apparel often proclaims the man. Sound better? Sound better? You know, when you're doing different things, you wear different clothes. That's how it works. And this maybe is my lumberjack shirt. What do you think? Okay, so I'm cutting firewood or something like that. Maybe I'll wear that. So, you know, it just depends upon what you're doing. You know, whether you are rooting on a football team. Okay, I'm sorry. It's, it's, not, my, it's not my favorite team. Or, you know, perhaps you're going out and doing some, some hunting. Okay, you might, you might wear this. Or, you know, if you, whoops, if you uh, really were ambitious, I don't know. Um, does that look familiar, Pastor Brent and Tracy? Yeah, I think it does. You know, your clothing makes all the difference makes all the difference. And in reality, you recognize this one? Yeah. In reality, the Bible uses this expression quite often. It's something that is used by Paul, as the Holy Spirit led him, to really communicate a great truth to us about our relationship with Christ. And I hope that today you will see practically how it is that we are to live out our relationship with him. And God has used an expression for a thing that you and I do every single day. Every morning, every evening, you run through a a pattern, through a a cycle in your day when you take off one thing and put on another. That's just how it works. We take off one outfit, we put on another one for different things that we're doing throughout the day. We're in Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to see where God is going to use this illustration of taking off something, taking off a jacket, and putting on another to really illustrate your relationship with Christ. I don't know where you stand with the Lord today. You're here this morning. There must be some reason that you're here. God's drawn you here, I believe. That's how he works. And what I want you to recognize today is that God is calling for you to lay aside the old man or the old self and to put on the new man, the new self. We're in the book of Ephesians. You should by by now probably have found it. It's in your New Testament. Use your table of contents if you have to. We've been walking through the book of Ephesians. We've arrived at chapter 4 this summer. We're calling this summer the the summer of Ephesians chapter 4, where it talks about the the masterpiece life. I want you to see where I'm getting at, just as review. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. 2.10. We see here where Paul writes, We are his workmanship. If you're in Christ today, Ephesians 2.10 says that you are his workmanship. Literally, that is, in Greek, that's the word where we get poem. And it actually means a masterpiece. It means a work of art. It means something that an artist has fashioned for a particular purpose. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We've talked about this word walk, that we are a masterpiece of Christ. And he's calling for us to live out that workmanship, to live out that masterpiece. 
And the way that God communicates that living out is through the metaphor of a walk. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 1. Turn over there with me, 4.1. Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So that's what we're talking about this summer. What does that walk look like? We are his masterpiece. What does it look like? Well, if you look in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, I'll put this one on the screen for you. Here's what it says. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now look at those two expressions one more time. The old has passed away. The new has come. In Ephesians chapter 4, let's bring our attention now to verse numbers 20 through 24. And look for this old and this new. And what God is calling to really work into our lives. Verse number 20 of Ephesians 4. But that is not the way you learned Christ. We'll talk about that shortly. Assuming that you have heard about him and you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in your spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Here's this putting off and putting on that we have a a clothing. Let me get my lumberjack shirt. That we put it off. Literally, it means to lay aside, to take off and cast aside. What God is calling us to, what the Spirit of God is calling us to do is to take off the old man, the old self. Take that off and put on the new man. Now something that's very interesting about these expressions that are used in our passage, I want to remember this, I want to remember our old man, is that these verbs, this putting off and putting on, are are an interesting Greek case. And and the way this word works is this is a a one-time action that continues to have effect in our lives. This putting off and this putting on. It's this idea that there was this moment of time when this thing happened. When I laid aside one garment and put another one on, and it continues to have effect in my life for eternity. This is what the Spirit of God wants us to see here. That this putting off and putting on, this is something that occurred, I trust, At one moment in time, when you put your trust in Jesus, when you laid aside your old self and put on the new man, and today in your life it continues. It's a guaranteed continuance in your life. Let me give you an illustration to at least try to explain what this is is calling us to. There might have been a time in your life when you purchased a home. Remember that? When you purchased a home. My wife and I have only purchased one home in our whole life. We bought our house 
And we were owners now, right? And I remember moving in and having some friends come and we, we moved all of our stuff in and, and we set it up on the house and, and now it is our home. Really? I'm still paying on that thing every single month. I thought it was my home. See, that's not how it works. I purchased that home. It was a one-time decision. I signed the paper. We are buying this home. But now it continues. Soon, that continuance will be over. Praise the Lord, right? But it continues now. It continues to have effect in my life. There's a time when we lay aside the old man. And we put on the new man. But the call here is for it to continue to have that same effect in our lives, throughout our life. So let's try to understand this today. And and at times today, I'm going to be, honestly, insanely practical. That's my desire. I, I I really want, at times, to get so close in your life that you might feel a little bit uncomfortable. There's a few times today I want it to be as if it's just you and me sitting together at McDonald's and me talking to you about how my relationship with the Lord works and a call for you to to try to work the same type of thing into your life. So we're going to deal with some very specific areas. Before we get there, though, we've got to lay some groundwork so it makes a little bit of sense. First of all, let's, let's remember what we heard last week, okay? And just looking back here at our passage, verses 17 through 19, there were things that we are being told to put off, and we're going to see that again today. We're putting off what we call the dark mind in verse number 18. This futility of our mind that is darkened in our understanding. That outside of Christ, before you came to Christ, we couldn't really think right thoughts about life. Our thoughts were man-centered. Our thoughts are self-centered. Oh, man, in his selfishness, discovers some wonderful things. But in reality, the most wonderful thing is kept from us when our minds are dark. And it says here that our minds are futile. Outside of Christ, they're empty. They they have no value. It continued and said that we we are to put off the dead spirit. See it there? Alienated from the life of God in verse number 18. To be separated from the life of God is to be alienated from God. That is to have, honestly, a dead spirit. When you came to Christ, when you took off the old garment and put on the new one, what you were taking off was a dead spirit. Outside of Christ, you and I are dead people. Pastor Billy shared a year ago, zombies, the walking dead. We're, we're living, breathing, but we're dead, unable to respond to the Spirit. But we laid that aside when we came to Christ. The passage goes on in verse number 18. It says that this is due to the hardness of heart. Lay aside the hard, calloused heart that's, that in its deadness doesn't respond to God. Sin in our life and the the separation that there is from God, it it doesn't even affect us. We've laid that aside. We've laid that aside. The hard heart that doesn't care about God, that doesn't care about God and His Word, we've laid that aside. And then lastly, last week, the one that we can see. You see, the dark mind, the dead spirit, the hard heart is invisible. But like any tree... It produces fruit. 
And the fruit here is explained, and we're called to lay it aside. After the callousness in verse number 18, it says that these people that are outside of Christ, that are called the ethnos here, the pagans, the godless, the heathen, they have given themselves up in sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. See what this means? This godless mindset, this this pagan pursuit, the heathen endeavor, the godless mind, it consumes sin. Pick your pet sin. Doesn't matter. Materialism, lust, covetousness, greed, bitterness, pride. And when it takes a bite and consumes, it's no longer satisfied with that. My bitterness is no longer enough. I need more. My my anger over past hurts. It's not strong enough. So what does the godless, pagan, heathen mind do? Sits up at night dwelling on the wrong that's been done to them. To increase the bitterness even more. To let it eat more of their soul. And they're greedy for more and more and more. This is the materialistic millionaire who can't have enough. I need more of something. This is the the pornographic-minded person who's just so trapped in this sin that they have to search out for more and more. You see, you can't see. You can't see the dark heart, the dead mind, or the calloused heart. You can't see those things, but you can see the hunger for sin. But what we're called to in verse number 20 is that is not the way you learned Christ. So we want to ask really four questions today, okay? Four questions. The first one's on your worship notes. I just challenge you with that. I'm, not, I'm going to skip right by it, but I challenge you with the idea is following Christ easy or difficult, easy or hard. You can think about that on your own time for homework, okay? Let's drive on to our second question. Have you learned Christ? Have you learned Christ? In verse number 20, Paul says that this is not the way you learned Christ. This this pagan, heathen, godless description that he's just made. This isn't what Christ is. This is not what it means to be a follower of Christ. Paul says, but this is not the way you learned him. And I love this expression, learned Christ. And is it actually what it says? I want you to notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say learned about Christ. It doesn't say that. That that, that word about or of is not in the language. It is literally learned Christ. Again, this has been a repeated theme throughout Ephesians 4, throughout the book of Ephesians, quite honestly, throughout your whole Bible. 
that this is not a pursuit of knowledge. You are not here to learn more facts and figures. You are not here to discover new truths. That is not why we come together as a body of believers. We don't need, honestly, most of us don't need more information. And that's not where I have seen in my own life, honestly, growth occur. It's not in new information. It's in responding in a new way to things that God has already taught me. First Peter, or Second Peter describes this. Turn your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 1. This was shown to me a couple weeks ago. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Look what Peter here, I believe as an older man, coming to the end of his life, thinking about the ministry of his life, thinking about those he's had influence over, hear what he writes. Verse number 12 of chapter 1 of 2 Peter. Peter writes, therefore... I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them, and are established in the truth that you have. In other words, I'm not, Peter says, I'm not telling you anything new here. I, I, don't, I don't have some, you know, secret truth that, that only I have, and I'm going to share it with you now. He says, I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. That's what we need. We need reminders. We need reminded of this truth. Since I know that the putting off of my body, that should sound familiar, the putting off of my body will be soon. In other words, Peter says, I'm I'm near the end. I'm near the end here, as our Lord Jesus Christ made it clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to take any time, may be able at any time that is, to recall these things. What God is calling us to here when he says back in Ephesians chapter 4, that this is not the way you learned Christ. This is, not, this is not some new fact. It's a relationship that God has called you to. I think very much that when Paul says, not the way you learned Christ, he is speaking about your moment of salvation that continues on today. This word means to know. It means to, to know intimately, to have relationship with. It is related to the same word that's, that speaks of Adam knowing his wife. This is not the way, the the pursuit of the pagans that we saw earlier and that we see in the the world around us, this is not the way you learned Christ. Do you remember when you learned Christ? When you put your trust in him? When you were convicted of sin? When you were convicted of the sin in your own life? And you desired to turn from it? Do you remember wanting to throw this thing off? Do you remember coming under the guilt of the Spirit of God as you were convicted of your sin? And if you could take off the garment of sin and throw it on the ground, you'd do it. You'd do it. I think a great illustration, it's not exactly what Jesus, I think, intended, but I think a great illustration is when Lazarus came out of the tomb. 
Lazarus is dead in the grave and Jesus calls him out of the tomb. And what does Jesus say? Take off the grave clothes. It's a great illustration, a great metaphor for what it means to learn Christ. I gotta tell you, before we we leave this first question, have you learned Christ? I'm burdened. I'm burdened over our church, over the American church, over the evangelical church, that we have drifted, many of us, from what it means to learn Christ. Jesus said, be holy as my Father is holy. We can't drift away from what brought the need to be saved to our heart. Sin is a wicked, wicked thing. It destroys lives. It hardens hearts. And it brings people to a Christless eternity. And I am concerned that we maybe, we've, we've drifted from what we learned Christ as being. I want you to be convicted. Over, I want us, me, to continue to be convicted over sin. And this is what I find. I don't know if you've experienced this or not. Honestly, I hope you have. For my sake, and I believe also for your own. As I mature in Christ, as, as, I, as I grow in my Christ-likeness, As I learn Christ more, the honest truth, I'm aware of more sin in my life than before. There are things I come under conviction of now that quite honestly wouldn't have bothered me 10 years ago. Things that you wouldn't see. Things about my attitude, about my heart motive, about my desires, about my hungers, about what I want. I come convicted under those things even now. And I think many Christians, we don't don't see the contrast anymore. We don't see the contrast. See the, feel the contrast in verse number 20. After all this expression in 17, 18, and 19, Paul says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. We're being called here to repent. I want to say this because there's going to be a theme here for all three of these things. And I think I got this for the slide for you. I want you to see here that that, that Paul was talking about three things. Our thoughts, our identity, and our actions. Our thoughts, our identity, and our actions. Just, it's really easy to see here. And we're we're going to continue this theme through all three of my points today. Thoughts. He spoke of these about our darkened minds, our futile minds. He also speaks of this hardness of heart, this callousness. This is our identity. It's our very identity. And then this practice of every kind of evil. This is, our, this is the actions that we bring to life. Paul is going to speak now as he takes off and puts on to our thoughts to our identity, and to our actions. 
Let me show you what I mean. Let's go on to the next point here. So the first question is, have you learned Christ? The second one is, how do we put off the old self? Let's read it. Let's read it. He says, assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as a truth as in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. First of all, I want you to see this thoughts, identity, actions. I want you to see that before I explain it anymore. Notice, first of all, thoughts. He says that we need to put off something, lay aside something, and I want to challenge you now to lay, what we're laying aside is a thought. And this thought is found when desires are described. Look at how the desires are described in verse number 22. These desires. These desires of the old man are described as what? Deceitful. Dishonest. A lie. The first thing that we, we've got to understand that is laying aside are the thoughts of the world. Your thoughts are very important. They lie to us. They deceive us. Our thoughts, what, what's going on in your mind that nobody sees, the attitude of your mind, the, the desires of your mind, we have to be careful that we aren't fooled and deceived by the pagan world around us. Moving along. Your identity. Where do we see this in this passage? To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. We are laying aside something of our identity. And this thing that we lay aside is our desire. Our identity is related to our desire. Your desires reflect your identity. What you, who you are drives what you desire. I had these different items here. This, put on this, and you're what? You're a hunter. What are hunters looking at all the time? When they go online, what, kind, what are they looking at? Field and stream, you know, Bass Pro Shop, Cabela's, that's where they are. Because their, their identity drives their desire. How about this dude or dudette? What, where are they at all the time? Where are they at? What channels are TV on all the time? ESPN, man. ESPN. Thanks for letting me borrow this, one of my children. Um, perfect, perfect, okay? How about this guy? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't really know, all right? Maybe, you know, maybe working out. I'm not really sure, okay? Just, you know, hanging out. Um, I see a fall day. I wear this in the fall, so I'm walking in the leaves and that kind of thing. I don't know, but you can fill in the blank. We've got, three, we've got four identities here. Paul says... You lay aside your old identity. This desire of your heart, you're laying it aside. And then finally, your actions. 
See it here. The former manner of life. These desires produce fruit. And what Paul is saying is, we need to take this off. When you and I came to Christ, we took it off. We took off who we were and we laid it aside and we put on Christ. And so that is now my new identity. That is who I am. I'm not an outdoorsman. I'm not a sportsman. I'm not a fan. I'm not a hunter. I may do these things, but who I am is a follower of Christ. When you and I came to Jesus, we put aside this old self. Now, I don't want you to see these things. These are just illustrations. I want you to see what the old man really is. Romans chapter 6. See what it says. Our old self was crucified with him. If you got your Bible, turn there with me. I want you to see the whole thing in context. I couldn't get it all on the screen. I'm in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 6 through 8. It says that we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that Now, here comes the identity. The body of sin might be brought to nothing. Rendered ineffective. That's what it means. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. This is what we were. This is what we were. If you're in Christ today, there was a day when your self, the old self, was in slavery. Not slavery to pity little things like hunting sports and lumberjacking. It's just an illustration. Slave to sin. Do you remember that? So we would no longer, this is happening, so we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one has died, has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. This is what God has done. He's taken the old man, enslaved with sin. It's like, It's like he dressed you. He took off the old garment. He put it on himself and died in our place and then rose victorious from the grave, came out of the grave conquering death, conquering sin, clothed now in righteousness, And places this new garment on you. The the garment of righteousness on you. Unclothed, clothed. Cast aside old self, put on new self. This is what your salvation is. 
This is what it means. Go back to Ephesians 4. I want to say just a word while we have these three up here. I want to say a word about a couple examples. Let's take bitterness. How do we lay this aside? How do we lay aside bitterness? Well, first of all, what thought do you lay aside? Someone's wronged you. Listen, it was a legitimate wrong. It's not something you're making up. You know, you're you're not overreacting. Someone truly did you wrong. But bitterness is a sin. You're called to forgive. You're called to forgive. So how do we lay this aside? Well, it starts with a thought. It starts with a thought. The thought is, I was wronged. I was wronged. This is wrong what was done. It then goes to identity. The identity is this. I am, I'm the ruler of my life. I'm the king of my castle. I'm number one. I don't deserve to be wronged. I don't deserve to be wronged. I I don't wrong people. How dare they wrong me? The action, the action I lay aside is I'll ignore them. I, I will treat them worse. I will treat them unloving. We lay this aside. Let's go to another one. Let's go to lust, shall we? Let's go to lust. Lust takes many forms. Lust takes many forms. There's a lust for sexuality. There's a lust for materialism. There's a lust for money. What's my thought when I sin in lust? My thought is that this thing will bring me joy. This thing will bring me happiness. This thing will will satisfy me, whatever it may be. That's the thought. What's the identity that I've got to lay aside? The thing I have to lay aside is, is that I'm a citizen of this world. I'm a body. I'm just a body that has needs, that has desires, that has wants. I want this thing, and it's who I am. And so the action is I pursue it. I pursue it. What Paul is saying in Ephesians 4 is whether it is bitterness, pride, materialism, or lust, lay aside the thoughts that drive us there. Lay aside the identity lie that I believe. Lay aside the lie of my identity that I believe. And lay aside the action. Now, quite honestly, Dr. Phil could have said everything I've said so far. Probably has. See, we're not done. If you stop here at lay aside, at taking off, you'll fail tomorrow. You'll fail in just a few minutes. You'll fail again. And I believe many people continue to fail because they stop there. They they lay it aside. But they don't 
finish what Paul called us to. Go to Ephesians 4. He says, the the call here is, and the reminder of what has happened in our life, is to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. This is literally taking a garment and putting it on, as we said repeatedly. And this is what you and I did when we trusted Christ, took off the old self, put on the new self. And the thing I appreciate about this so much is it, it doesn't end at just stop. Instead, we are to put something on. It's not enough for you in your, in your anger with your children or your anger with your spouse and you, you know, sharp word and you lose your temper. It's not enough to walk in the other room and say, I'm never going to do that again. How many of us do that? There's a crossword, a, a loud voice. And you go in the other room and you're convicted by the Spirit. You say, that's it. I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to do it again. Now I'm going to be a good boy and I'm never going to do it again. And what happens? You come back out. You're still hungry. You're tired. Your boss still yelled at you, okay? You're still having a bad day. When that moment comes, it roars again. We haven't put on. We haven't put on. Let's go back to our examples. Let's go to bitterness. My thought was I was wronged. I don't deserve that because I'm ruler. That was my my identity. So my action is I will hold this against you. What do we put on now instead? Thought. I was wronged. Honestly. So was Jesus. So was Christ. Was he not? Go back to Christ and your thoughts. We have the mind of Christ. Go back to Jesus. I was wronged. I know you were wronged. You're going to be wronged again. So was Christ. We're to have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Who though he was God, laid aside all of that. Remember Philippians chapter 2? So was Christ. My identity. You see, when I'm bitter, my identity is I'm ruler. But I put on instead, I am servant. I am servant. This is the new identity I I bring on myself. I am servant. You know, we champion being a servant. We're all about serve, serve, serve until what? Someone treats us like one. And then what? And then lastly, what's my action? You know what Jesus called for you to do with your enemy? The one that you're bitter over? You know what Jesus called for you to do? Pray. Forgive and love them. See, I I lay this aside. I lay aside the bitterness with its thoughts, identity, and action. And I truthfully walk through this in my mind. And I think my thought. And I remind myself of my identity. 
and then I act. Let's go to materialism. Let's go to materialism. What's my thought? My thought is that possessions or some experience or, or something or, or some, just some opportunity will finally bring me joy. If I can just have this car, if I can just have this house, if I can just have this vacation, if I can have just this spouse or this child or whatever it is, if something in the material world, if I just had it, I'd be happy. The new thought that I put on, the new thought is this. Things of this world, the material things of this world, why, do we, why does God bring them into our life? Why? The things that I have are given to me by the Lord to be a steward over, to invest in what God is doing. That's what my new man is. My new man is, this thing isn't mine. This isn't my car. This isn't my house. This is God's, and I'm just holding it, and I'm going to invest it in what he's doing. What's my, what's my identity that I'm putting on? See, my old identity is I'm a worldling. And if I have things, I'll be happy. My new identity isn't that anymore. Not at all. It's I'm an ambassador. Matt said it all this week. I'm an ambassador. And so I, li- I live here, but I live for him. Not for this stuff. For Christ. And so what are my actions? What are my actions? My actions, quite honestly, I don't hold on to what I have. I don't hold on, I don't hold on to it all. I invest it. I invest it in other people. I invest my experiences. I invest my home. I invest my I invest what I have. This is how we're rid of these idols, quite honestly. We, we have to lay aside these things. So when that lustful thought comes, when that materialistic desire is there, when your pride comes and runs after you, I challenge you, first of all, take it off. Take off what? Take off a thought. You, you got to think. What am I thinking about? What thoughts are driving me? And take off the identity. I'm not a worldling. I'm not from this place. And take off the action that I'm leading to. Take it off. Put on Christ. Put on the mind of Christ. What's Christ thought about this thing? What's my identity as a follower of Christ? Now, what actions will I do? I'm telling you, you might think it's a little bit odd. But I go through this process, I'd probably be a little ashamed to tell you how many times in a given day I'm walking through this exact progress, this exact walk. This is how we walk. Paul said that we are to consider this, to reckon it, to lay aside the pagan, godless, heathen way of approaching life. And instead, put on the new man. It's the exact same thing that happened to you when you got saved. When you trusted Christ, you laid aside the old self. And when you laid it aside, 
you place it on the Christ. And he took it to a cross and died for it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the practical nature of the gospel. It's laid out right here for us again. That we lay aside the sin, the self, the old man, and we place it on you, Jesus. And you die for that, Lord. You died for it. That we might have forgiveness and life. Lord, we thank you for the cross and for Jesus' willingness to take my old man and place it on your back, Lord Jesus, and to die for me. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.